Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Christy Purifoy, and my dear friend and co-host Lisa Jo Baker is traveling this week, but I'm not alone. My conversation partner today has a pretty unique perspective on the podcast and on all the conversations Lisa Jo and I have shared over the years. And as is always the case, week after week, Though we talked about familiar things, our talk uncovered so much I hadn't considered before, all kinds of layers of meaning in our experience, and it left me feeling hopeful and glad. So get comfy, friends. Here we go. Well, as you've just heard, listeners, it is, well, it's not just me here for the podcast, but it is me here without Lisa Jo. <laughs> But I have a special guest. We will introduce you in a moment. But first, I'll just say it's not a planned thing that Lisa, Joe, and I aren't together. But you know, uh, you know how it is right now. Um, I am just getting over that nasty virus that shall not be named. So you'll probably hear it in my voice. So that delayed us a bit. And then Lisa, Joe. Um, had a family, well, I won't call it a family emergency, but a hard thing in their family. She's traveling. Um, They needed time for that. And so we recruited someone special, someone who I do believe has been on the podcast before, but only once and never with me. And I am going to let this special guest introduce myself. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks. Yes, this is Jonathan Purefoy, um, husband to the author Christy Purefoy. <laughs> and typically, so what is my role here? Um, of, of course, to, I'm not going to say fill in for Lisa Joe because that's impossible to do. But my role at Maplehurst, along with raising four kids and chickens and ducks on occasion and animals, etc., is kind of putting a hammer and nails to a lot of the dreams and designs that we come with. <laughs> That's true. And you may also notice some, I don't know, uh, weirdness in our recording. Not only my voice, but we are sharing one microphone. So we're kind of swooping in and out of it. Um, we did do something, though. I took a COVID test just before this, just to make sure, because you've been healthy. And I didn't want this extended microphone sharing time to end up with you getting sick. But I've got the all clear. We can share a microphone. Um, so yes, thank you for introducing yourself. It's great to have you here. Am I remembering that you were on the podcast before, correct? Uh, yes, definitely. And I think it was with Peter yes, Baker, yes, yes. Um, who's a very good friend of mine. Uh, yeah. Can we talk about that for a fact for just a minute? Because I, I feel like that is such a rare gift for a married couple to be very good friends with another married couple. I mean, you know, friendships often happen that way, but almost like best friends. I mean, we've known them so long. I'm really close with Lisa Joe. I I do a lot of collaboration with her, working with her, and you're very close to Peter. So, yeah, tell us more about that. Of course, you've heard listeners um, seasons ago, Lisa Joe and Christy have, have shared about how how we met each other in Chicago, like over two decades ago. And of course, it wasn't just Lisa Joe, but Peter was there as well. And that would be, you know, the start of our relationship. But over the years, just like you and Lisa Joe have experienced life together, Peter and I have done the same. And for about the last three years, he and I have like professionally worked together. 
um, with clients, which has been terrific to do. And I think it's it's healthy for both of us because, I, I, in all fairness, Christy and Lisa Joe never share anything on the podcast. I'm not saying that they uh, ask us to approve of the stories mm-hmm. or things they share, but they are very um, sensitive to how that might reflect upon Peter and I or how we might have a different perspective. So, what I do appreciate being such close friends with Peter is there's at least somebody that um, I can commiserate with, I can explore the <laughs> podcast with, I can say, did you did you hear it? Did you see or sense the same things that I, and experience so, things I so did? So, you're saying you're glad that you're not the only podcast husband, like that there's a another podcast husband you can... Like. Yes. And, and it's, it's podcasts, it's speaking engagements, yeah. it's what you guys write, mm-hmm. which is always, it's lovely. And I know Lisa Joe also has a very similar type of, um, I would say, restrictor plate. That's a nerdy NASCAR term, but it's a way you kind of keep the engine from going too, car from going too fast. So, she does also screen these stories past Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we definitely appreciate that, but it's wonderful to be able to talk with a close friend like that and yeah. experience life with him. Uh, Lisa Joe actually was saying something recently. It must have been before we recorded last time. I don't, yeah, yeah, this was before. Um, so our listeners didn't hear this, but she was just sharing this with me before we recorded that. Um, how did she put it? Uh, yeah, she was just expressing gratitude, I think, that you and Peter have worked so closely on a number of projects the past few years. And yet she said, at least it seemed to her from her end, and I reassured her from our end, that it seemed as if it had only been good for the friendship. Like it hadn't, you hadn't gotten tired of each other. If anything, you still really enjoyed talking to one another. And uh, and yeah, I told her, oh my goodness, it feels exactly the same on this side. And so that just feels like a double rarity, a double grace, a double gift that Lisa Joe and I have seen our friendship deepen. Um just become more a solid, more real thing as we've shared more and as we've worked together on the podcast. But it's kind of cool that you and Peter have, I, I think, had a similar experience. So I don't know if you want to disillusion us now and say, no, in fact, you're quite tired of Peter Baker. <laughs> never, never. <laughs> I respect, you know, in every relationship, there's this sense of what each person brings that's unique to their character and their ideas and perspective. And so, I really appreciate Peter. He's an, he's an amazing writer. He's a PhD like you, very smart, um, but he's so approachable. And so, a lot of the projects that we do together in a professional sense, um, he's great at communicating and I just learned so much from him. And we just genuinely enjoy talking together about all sorts of stuff. It's a great, it's a great friendship. Um, and, and I will say this, I mean, we're both big families. Um, you know, they have family across the world. We have family across the United States. And um, it's wonderful to be able to talk to Peter in those very just personal you know, aspects of our, of our relationship and our marriage. They've been married many years, just like us. And have moved quite a bit and grown in their marriage, and so it, I, he's just he's just a great person to to journey with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait this spring. I know Lisa Joe and I keep talking about um, 
having them back here at Maplehurst. It's been a while. Just winter is that way. And um, also, we've just had so much going on here, building projects and so on um, this year. So getting those settled up this spring. Uh, I can't wait to have the bakers here. And and really, listeners, that's um, when I knew that it was going to be tricky for Lisa, Joe, and I to record this week with illness and travel and everything. I thought, I thought of bringing you on, Jonathan, because we talk so often on the podcast about the place. So this place, Maplehurst, where you and I live, but where Lisa, Joe, and I have um, just really rooted our conversations and um, so many, <laughs> so many other things like her, like our live podcast um, party we had in the barn and, you know, things we look forward to doing more of in the future. So because that place has been really like the setting in a novel. It's been the setting for our podcast conversations again and again. Um, well, I am not Mabelhurst. <laughs> I mean, you aren't either. We're not, but you know, this house has its own personality that will out- outlive us. That's for sure. Um, but you and I are definitely both team Mabelhurst. It's not just me on my own. And sometimes I can talk about it as if I'm the one here doing all the things, which you know is laughable, <laughs> like actually laughable. And you're right. I'm glad you described yourself as the one who's generally putting the hammers and nails to to the dreams. That is so true. Anyhow, so I wanted to bring you on and thought, well, maybe it would be a good idea and and a gift to our listeners who have, um, if they've been here any length of time, have started to get to know this place a little bit, um, a gift to just sit down and have a little conversation about this place. And especially because... I don't know, numbers are funny things and calendars, and you think they wouldn't make such a difference, but man, they do. The way we order time orders how we feel about time, how we respond to to um, the events of our lives. And so I feel it really strongly that we've been here 10 years. Um, I guess actually it'll be 11 this summer. So we're, you know, we're well into this decade. And I just have a real feeling of like a turning point and thinking about what will the next decade bring. Um, Maybe it's also because our youngest is 10 and, you know, she was born soon after we got here. So that's just another significant marker of time and change. Um, I mean, there's the difference between a newborn and a 10 year old is, you know, everything. I mean, she can play the clarinet, you know, like what the heck? (laughs) So a lot can happen in 10 years. Anyhow, so I thought, well, let's just sit down. Uh, We'll see how long my voice holds out. Um, There may be some coughing in the background, although probably not. We have such a fantastic um, editor. editor. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. we have some great, great helpers. So he's so good at, uh, Mike is so good at editing out coughs and bangs and mistakes. But anyhow, we'll see how long my voice holds out, and maybe we just talk a little bit about what the past 10 years have been in terms of this place, and maybe what we're thinking potentially for the next 10 years. So, even as I'm introducing that question, I I can hear the sound of... Generator? Yeah, I guess that's what it is. I mean, work, basically, construction. Mm -hmm. So, I've, I've spoken about it on the podcast, but maybe in your own words, you know, what are we, what's happening here at Maplehurst right now? Well, a lot. <laughs> I, I think. I know it's a it's a lot. I believe it's easy to think of a place in terms of the thing, mm-hmm. the, the visible thing, the thing it was, the thing it's becoming, the design, whether it's blueprints or it's the actual thing you've built. You know, from conception and dream to reality. But I think 
we recognize that a space and a place is more than the thing. It's it's the actual, the soul of it. Ooh, like the spirit of a place? Yeah. I think in, in this book I just finished, John, um, I think I have an essay called The Spirit of a Place. So, yes, I agree. I love that. Yes, this place does have a spirit in that sense that we're collectively cultivating. Yeah. Go ahead. That's well said. Well, I, I remember there's this silly story. Years ago, I'm thinking 35 years ago, I remember I was drawing, we had a big gathering in my family in Texas, and we had family from Mexico who had come in, and we are doing a, between Thanksgiving and, and Christmas, a big family gathering, and I was doing some drawing, and I had an, Dio Mario, he was an uncle from, from Mexico City, he came up, and I was drawing a tree, and as a young child, I was drawing like every leaf, and he said, oh, that's how you draw a tree. And I said, well, how else? You draw every leaf because it has branches and leaves. And he showed me this more abstract way of drawing it with essentially just squiggly lines of green because a tree, it's hard to define all its individual leaves. And he said, well, this is how I draw it. And he was an architect by training. And since then, I'm like, oh, this is much easier, but it also gives a sense of abstractness and uniqueness to every tree because your squiggly lines change every time. And that's a long way to say that as we explored this place called Maplehurst, it's like there's so many squiggly lines. Everything is alive and it changes. There's nothing that's, everything is unique. There's nothing that's the same. And that can be intimidating. I think we've recognized, like when I think back to scripture in the Bible, there's a couple of examples where things are built and there's timelines associated with them. and one, Solomon builds the temple and he builds his palace, and it takes him twice as long to build the palace versus the temple. I read into that what you want. But in both cases, the palace took 14 years, I believe, and the, the temple is seven. I'm sure someone can argue whatever. It's, it's, I think that's around the timeline. And then Jesus talks about building a tower and how you put thought into it and design and make sure you can complete the task before you start. But what I gather from Solomon's building is that, sure, did it take that long because it was just complex to build? In my mind, it's more about the thoughtfulness that was required. And those were just things until they took on life of their own, meaning like God came and dwelt in the temple. Then it wasn't just a thing. It was a breathing, alive, something that was alive with a soul and a spirit. And it existed. It didn't just exist. It existed. And so, this place, our places, whether it's an apartment, a hotel, you know, you're living with your parents in the basement, like that space is alive if we want to see it that way. Have you, <laughs> you're totally channeling this book of mine that's about to come out this spring, but I don't really think, have you read it yet? I can't remember. The latest one, uh, the Home in Bloom that just arrived from the publisher. I've read, I've read a bit of it okay. from the the manuscript. I haven't read like the last edited. No, version. I love it, listeners. This is not planned. Uh, book advertisement, totally unplanned. But yes, I I agree. Like places can have a kind of awakened spiritual life because you know, especially when God's people are in that place and taking care of it, um, and we get to be a part of that. So yeah, feel f- say more. We just specifically with Maplehurst, we've been here 10 years and 
one aspect that we can recognize change is the literal physical change that we've experienced here. And that is we change the way the driveway goes, Mm -hmm. remove that, or we put a garden here and we moved it over there. It's funny, sometimes I'll see the old Google Earth views or Apple iPhone view, and it'll have elements of our property that four years ago were there, Mm -hmm. like the chicken coop was in one part of the property, now it's in the other part, and so those old versions still exist. So, it's kind of fascinating to see that, but that's just how things have fundamentally changed in the view, the, the topographical map. So, we've put raised beds here, we moved a garden, et cetera, et cetera. But there's so much more life that's happened here over those 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, and you say, well, your children have grown. Well, that's still in my mind, still something very tangible and physical. You see, you put the marks on the on the, the wall next to the yard sticks and you've seen how they grow. But it's the memories, the sense of things, the people who've gone through here, those experiences that are still like they're planted here, like they exist here in a real sense. Like when you walk, when you wander a space or a place, or maybe you return to a childhood home or to a childhood neighborhood or to where you used to, you know, as a family eat dinner 20 years ago. You know, every Sunday you'd eat Grammy and granddad, everybody would go to the same place. We used to go to these cafeteria restaurants, right? Like a Luby's if you're in the South or Furs if you're in the far South. I loved Luby's. I miss Luby's. <laughs> the Luann plate yeah. platter. But those places, they become, because there's memories rooted in the there and experiences, they're more than the brick and the mortar and, mm-hmm. and the floorboards. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I mean, when I first asked this question, I was really just thinking tangibly, but it, you know, like physically changes and what we've built and moved and rebuilt and all that. But but you're right, like living here now is so different from 10 years ago because we have this relationship with this place that's developed over 10 years and we have all these memories. And so now we walk in certain places or inhabit certain rooms or um, areas and there are these memories of gatherings or milestones and yeah and you know that can that's just that's true for anyone it, it's you know it doesn't have to be an old farmhouse <laughs> to experience that I think it's it's just depend on the attitude and then also just the gift we've had of time in this place which we know not everyone gets or you know seeks but um, if you do receive that or it is something that you you know, are able to prioritize. Um, there is this richness of of staying in a place and letting the memories accumulate. And um, uh, yeah, just thinking about like, you know, good soil in the garden, just gradually year by year, you're kind of adding to it with the life that you've lived in that place. So yeah, we've definitely done that over these 10 years. And I think that that is why I'm thinking ahead to the next 10 years, because I I feel that richness and the weight of everything that's been laid down in these 10 years. And you're right that it isn't just building or repairing, but it's just living. Um, yeah. And and maybe that actually is the more substantial thing because certainly the building and the repairing, and this can be hard, it, it doesn't last. <laughs> so, I'm just thinking like early on in our time here, you totally redid the porch, Um Actually, no, let me say the story this way. So, the previous owners had remade the porch. And so, we had 
what was more or less a new wooden porch when we got here and it looked good. But within a few years, it was the wood was rotting and it was not in great shape. And so you completely remade the porch. Um, but I know just from going in and out of our back door this week, that's going to be another spring task for you, isn't it? Doing the porch again. <laughs> so the, how many times, how many times is that? <laughs> Are you ready to work I on think, the? Is this is this just me like nudging you in the ribs? Don't forget, <laughs> put it on the list. That's what I tell the kids when they break something. Like just put it, add it to the list. And you know that explores something interesting because there are in our modern day, there are products and materials that you can use that would last far longer than primed pine or even mahogany or yellow pine from 200 years ago that's so dense that it, it does repel water or hemlock for that matter. I mean, we had to replace those, but we could refinish those. But in our modern world, we don't have to replace with wood. We can replace with other materials. And that's that's a conscious decision that we made. And there, there's lots of debate, particularly in older homes. How do you repair something? Do you replace with modern? Do you replace with something's modern material but looks like it's old or do you go back to as ancient as you can you know replace and repair with the old techniques and the old materials sometimes you it's impossible those materials don't exist anymore or it's getting harder and harder to find people who know those techniques like plastering and our i think our governing principle has been to keep the sense of this place as well as we can rooted in the past. So resisting the desire to not have to fix that porch every, you know, five to 10 years, no matter how much you paint it, it's going to get water, it's going to get wicked into the ends of those, those boards. Um, any carpenter can tell you that things are going to weather. And no matter how many coats of paint, you will have to replace them. But that's, I think, part of keeping your hands involved in the things of here and now. You know, it's interesting. A couple, I forget when you bought me a record player a couple years ago for Christmas. And there's something powerful about interacting with music. I'm sure you have a lot of listeners that are musicians out there. And so they don't necessarily have to turn on a recording or listen to Spotify or Amazon or whatever. They can play it themselves. And that's such a gift. And then I'd say maybe one step of you know, degree of separation from that would be, okay, well, I can't play music, but I love to go listen to live music. And we've done that. You know, that's fun to go listen to artists in a space and hear it firsthand. And then you move to record players and et cetera, where you still have to interact with it because it runs out and you have to flip the flip the, the record over. But now it's just so easy to pull up a streaming service and just have it not interact with it. Like it can just be on indefinitely. And I think of, I personally apply that to a lot of parts of my life. Like used to, my mom, my grandfather used to write letters to my grandmother every week after they were married for 40 years. He would write her a letter. Now we can send an email or a text. It's just easier. It's less interaction. So I think we lose something. I'm going to sound old, but we lose something when we're not touching the things that surround us. Mm -hmm. And in knowing where your food comes from, that's why I think it's great if you can like to raise chickens. It's not cheaper than buying eggs mm -hmm. from the store. 
You have to feed and care for them. You're feeding the foxes too. Mm-hmm. Gardening, it's not it's cheap to just go get a tomato versus like growing it. You know all the hard work you put into this. And music, I think, is is an example and writing is the same way. You know, as we were talking about spaces a moment ago, you know, we've had to sadly, I think in the last few months, have to remove two very, like the two largest Mm -hmm. maple trees on our property. They're, I mean, they're, they're massive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, They were so, they were so massive that the the team that took them out, who's taken out our maples for 10 years, Mm -hmm. they're very familiar with our property. Jeff Campbell's a terrific guy. Like these were massive projects for them. Mm -hmm. It took days. Do you remember how many guys were here for those trees? When they were taking them down, like just to, for the one tree? It was eight, eight guys. It was eight people here just to take out the trees. And it took them four days to take out one tree, just to remove one tree. I remember being up in this room and you, the window where we're sitting is where I could see that tree. And I was doing, I was doing laundry when, and just watching them work. And um, there, there was just a small portion of one of the limbs, so not even one of the bigger limbs, and the portion, at least from here, to me, only looked like 24 inches long. It didn't look very big to me. And But they cut it, and then they let it drop to the ground. And when it hit the ground, this room, this house, shook. Like the, It was like a mini earthquake. Yeah, so big trees. Yeah. Very big trees. <laughs> and one thing that surprised me, Surprised me in the sense that I was aware that this would be the case, but I didn't recognize how significant it would be, is that, you know, once you take out the tree, often, sadly for us, we've had to take out so many, they'll ask you, do you want the stump ground? Do you want us to grind the stump? And what that involves, particularly if the root structure is so big, you're going to want to essentially take a saw, turn it on its side, right? So, like, you know, and, and it just literally... Someone just saws this tree bit by bit, and pieces of of the stump go flying everywhere, and it's, you're left with an amazing, massive mound of wood chips. So, they grind the stump, and that could take, you know, maybe an hour on a small stump. These took a day just to grind the stump. They were so massive, and the point wasn't to grind the whole root system, but it was just merely to, to remove the top of the stump so you could utilize, you know, the ground. But what was... What was unexpected was how, once you took the tree out and you ground the stump, you got a sense of how how much the root system and the tree deformed the ground around it. You think about, well, most of the roots are underneath the ground, but you know, you st- particularly if you live in a neighborhood and you have sidewalks and you plant trees close to the sidewalk, you may see the sidewalk start to buckle, right? A little pops up and eventually, well, that's the roots kind of pushing up on it. But these massive trees to have them taken out and to realize, you know, the, the, the feet, the space that was the ground that was all that swelled up because these roots were so big, not to get too abstract, but, you know, Einstein talked about that whenever anything that has mass actually distorts the space around it, which is fascinating. So, it's not just like a black hole, like anything that has mass, that would be us, you know, the recorder, the mic, the phone, actually distorts the space around us, like in a very kind of interstellar movie kind of sense, it distorts the space. And 
all of us distort the space around us. And I think in a very physical, spiritual sense, and like, in a sense of relativity. And like being in a place and living life in a place, naturally, we distort it in a good and a, and I think generally in a good way, right? And some bad ways, but, but in a good way. We can care for the space that we're in. Um, we can live a life that has hardship and struggles, but that we, we, you know, we're still blessed and work to bless others and love others while we're in that space. And so, like, my sense is that even at the end of time, at the end of things, there's still that distortion of time left, like these trees that now we use those wood chips to, to garden, to cover up, to establish new gardens, to feed animals, you know, that's, that's their home, um, et cetera, that, that even after we've left, there's still like this tangible memory of our existence. So, I guess I'm realizing what I knew, but I didn't realize you would remind me of it today, <laughs> is that we've done more than we realized these 10 years. We've, we've made more of a difference and is visible. And that's very encouraging because in, a, in some ways it feels not like we're starting over at 10 years, but well, yeah, kind of. We've so rearranged things here. We've so rearranged, um, you know, gardens and that in a lot of ways it does feel to me like we're starting not entirely fresh, but in terms of some building and some gardens, I feel like we're at a place where so much of the land around the house is right now just mud. <laughs> you know, the trees have come down and things have been moved and um, this cottage for your mom is going up and and we're, there's just a lot of bare ground, muddy ground. It's still winter. Um, so, it can feel like we're Oh, here we are again, you know, like, oh man, when we got here 10 years ago, there was so much to do and we've been working hard and I can look around right now and, and feel like, oh wow, okay, once again, there's so much to do. Um, but you're reminding me that, you know, we aren't actually starting on a blank canvas or we aren't actually starting from scratch in a good way. We've What we've done here has made a difference and accumulated even in a spiritual sense, not just a physical sense. And there's something fun, too, to to know that, you know, even we've been in a place for a while, we can, like, n- there's still newness, you know, new seasons and um, new adventures and new ideas and new gardens and whatever it is, um, and that that can be fun, too. So, what do you think? We've been here 10 years. You've made it clear. We've done a lot in every sense of the word, which is good to remember because that's even beyond what I was thinking. What do you think, what do you hope for the next 10 years? And maybe we'll, we'll finish out this conversation with hopes or I don't know if we have any concrete plans. Do we have concrete plans or is it more hopes and dreams? I do hear the cat meowing at the door. As you can imagine, listeners, for a husband and wife to podcast together, we have texted children not to disturb us. We have shut the door. We have, did we put the dog in the kennel? I can't remember. But yet the cat found us. Somebody will always find you. You can't ever totally escape. But now the cat is meowing his displeasure at the closed door. <laughs> Anyhow, what are, what are your thoughts on the next 10 Elsa's 10 now. She'll be, that's wild to think. She'll be 20. I can't even imagine. 
Well, I'd like to think and hope that I'm not worn out. I don't want this to come across as... <laughs> it's okay. I'm a little worn out. <laughs> but at some point, you think, like in Genesis, there was all this work that God did, and He purposefully rested from us as a model for us. And Jesus reminds us the, the point of rest is, you know, He's the Lord of it. And we know that God doesn't need to rest, right? I think that's pretty, like, God doesn't get tired the way we do. Even though we're made in His image, we're not, you know, fatigue isn't something that, that God, you know, complains about. But he wanted to definitely demonstrate. And I think part of that just reminds us of our limitations mm -hmm. that we have to sleep daily. Mm -hmm. um, I heard someone comment that if you took, you know, people who could survive on like five hours of sleep, if you took the entire population and identified who could sleep less than five hours a day consistently without any kind of cognitive impairment and you rounded that to the nearest whole number, it would be 0%. Like, it's impossible. Like, our bodies physically need that. There will be consequences, regardless of what we think. So, I'm as I think about our future here, I think there's believe there will be some aspects that we rest from, but then there will be a new season of where the work will be different, which in itself is rest. There's, there's a, a book that discusses the Sabbath. And from a, from a professional standpoint, and it's written by an, an ER doctor that was recognizing that all these, so many of the, the visits that he was, ex, he was dealing with to the ER, some of the, the root causes, so much of the root cause was of the lack of rest. Mm -hmm. And you have that, I don't know if you've ever been so tired that you actually can injure yourself, right? Or you hurt yourself, um, thinking from a safety standpoint. But the point was, like, what is the Sabbath? Is to do something different that we don't normally do. And whether that's cooking, we don't cook. Or if we're, um, so for some of us, it's to, it's to go to service. For others, it might be to, to find some rest or to maybe work in the wood shop because you're in front of a desk all week. And that can be part of our Sabbath, our rest, our mind changes. So, I, I'm looking forward to that season of rest, but not in a sit on the couch kind of rest. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. I'm so glad you said that because I really resonate with that. Yes, I too, <laughs> I too am looking forward to more rest. And I think what that means for me is more enjoying what God has helped us build and create um, more, yeah, just more being here. Maybe also recognizing that we've learned some things over these 10 years that you can't it's not a good idea to just create, create, make, make, make without ceasing. And that um, just because you have a good idea or a wonderful new vision, <laughs> I'm sure God could have gone on making the, you know, the earth and the heavens uh, for days and days and days. He didn't have to stop after the the six in, in the creation song that we read about, right? But the, what he models for us is saying, this is good. I will stop. I will rest. <laughs> so, I agree. I think that that's something we've learned these 10 years that you, you can't just go and go or everyone suffers and even what you've created suffers, but that we have to practice self-control to stop, stop and pause and rest. So, I love that idea that we'll go on tending this place, we'll go on making gardens, um, we'll go on having the bakers come to visit, but yeah, maybe these next 10 years will 
be marked by more regular rhythms of rest and just enjoying um, what's been given and, you know, allowing others to come and find rest here, uh, your mom to be here and hopefully finding rest. You know, that's certainly going to be a, a big marker of change. You know, our first 10 years we were here on our own and we're heading now into um, years where your mom will be here with us. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I hope that we can just rest and enjoy this place together. And on that note, I know, you know, one of the first things I'm excited about this summer is that finally, after just years and years of not being able to and COVID and all of that, is that my family will come to Maplehurst for a family reunion that we've um, just had to postpone again and again. And we're excited that it looks like that will actually happen this summer. So, that feels to me like the kind of rest I'm imagining because it will be a lot of work, right? You and I will probably be running around like crazy, you know, getting ready. But I have a feeling mm-hmm. that kind of preparation will be so much fun because it won't be pressured. You know, it's just my family. <laughs> uh, there won't be pressure. Your large family. Might be a, but, you know, there'll be work to do, right? But it'll be fun. It'll be like the, the you yes. know, it will, we'll just be so excited that people are coming that I have a feeling like we'll just be so excited to do the work. So to me, that's, there's rest in that kind of work. So, um, yeah, that's a lot to look forward to. Well, we made it. My voice is sort of still here. There was just a little coughing. And I actually, so I feel like we experienced, well, I hope you feel this way, John. I feel this way that what Lisa Joe and I experience every week, almost without, without exception, is that we sit down to record. We think we know what we're going to talk about maybe... And we get into it and, you know, we feel good about it. And then by the end, both of us are like, oh, wow, I'm so glad we said that. I'm so glad we had that talk. Oh, I feel better. Or I feel like, oh, yeah, I can see. I, I see more clearly now. So I feel that way. I, yeah, I can see more clearly now. Thank you. Well, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'll go get the cat outside. Okay. <laughs> Lisa Joe, we look forward to having you back next week. <laughs>